You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily podcast on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Buckeye fans? Welcome back to the episode of Locked On Buckeyes, part of Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jay Stevens, also the host of the Jay Stevens Podcast. It is Wednesday, January 27th, the year 2021. And your Ohio State Buckeyes had a game postponed earlier in the season. That game is rescheduled to play tonight, where the Buckeyes will play the Nittany Lions of Penn State. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jsteven07. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter as well, at Locked on Buckeye. Line up for today in segment number two, we'll talk about some key notes from Chris Holtman's media availability on Tuesday afternoon. Segment three, we'll play a little tribute to Kobe Bryant via the guys from Rejecting the Screen, Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. We begin today's show talking about and providing an update from the Senior Bowl. That is correct. Postseason bowls in college football, they're fun, they're enjoyable, they're exciting. There's a lot of hoopla, there's a lot of hype to a lot of them, especially the semifinal games and the college football playoff national championship. But then after that, shortly after that, you will have other bowls that basically are job interviews. They're the fun kind of job interview. Now you're on pins and needles, you're stretching out, you're eating uh, the right stuff all the time because you don't want your body to get, you don't want to lose lose weight, lose too much weight, or gain too much weight. You want to stick to the weight that you're playing weight that you have been playing at consistently all year long. And also, after that, you're, you're going to have the combine normally, you're going to have your pro day at your school if you want to go, and then you may have some time to fly around the different NFL teams, uh, uh, campuses, campuses like it's a school, facilities, practice there, do some in-person stuff, and then the draft in April, at the end of April. Well, this year is a little bit different, as you might expect. There's no combine in Indianapolis this year. Everything's going to be held uh, uh, regionally, four primary locations. A lot of stuff will be done virtually over the internet. Your pro day will still be a thing, and a lot of players, I know Trey Sermon is looking forward to it, where he is going to be excited to watch, to be to have the scouts and the, and the executives watch his pro day. Didn't get to have another showcase game in the national championship because he got hurt, unfortunately. But the pro day, baby, I'm expecting, I'm expecting Trey Sermon to go off. Before that, you had the Senior Bowl. Practice started yesterday. There's a lot of good things coming from that. You had all five of the players from, the, from Ohio State. They did, they did get their measurements done, which I think is huge. I still don't think Sermon's going to play. I'm um, still resting and recovering and rehabbing from that injury that he suffered um, against Alabama on January the 11th. But all five Buckeyes that are there, Borland, Browning, Hilliard, Cooper, and Sermon, all five of them did, did get their measurements done. Uh, I only got clips of a few of them uh, via the Twitter. I didn't get to see clips of everybody. I st- and I still have not seen Sermon on an active roster, on a roster for a, for a team that's playing in the, in, the, in the Senior Bowl on Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tough Borland measured in at 6'1", 229 pounds. Baron Browning, 6'3", 241 pounds. Trey Sermon, 6'2", 213 pounds, about what you would expect for him to come in at. 
213, 215, solid uh, on the top and the bottom, solid frame, a sturdy, um, really low body fat. And so 213 is about where I was expecting him. Hilliard, six foot, 227 pounds. I thought that was light. I thought he weighed a little bit more than that. Uh, Cooper, six foot two, 254 pounds. Then he also, and then that was it for the Buckeyes in their, in their measurements. I was able to come up, come across some clips. One is Justin Hilliard pass rush versus RB4 Michael Carter. Now this is coming via Chase Goodbread, who is the who, who covers covers draft picks for NFL.com. He he is there. He was actually gets field access, which I believe is amazing. It looks like field field access from the video. And Hilliard beats Michael Carter. Doesn't take very long. Doesn't take very much. Um, the two of them go go on the go in the rep. Uh, Hilliard does a quick swim move and gets right past Michael Carter. There's another one that was surfacing. A lot of people were laughing and joking around. By the way, that Borland did on this rep when he was uh, going up against Ben Mason. And it's an out route. It's basically a pass in the flat to the running back. And it'll be a three or four yard gain if the, if you could tackle. The thing about it that people are looking at and saying about uh, Borland is the head movement or the extra motion with the body that's really just going to tire you out. These are the same, and it's foot speed. Foot, foot, foot speed is slow, extra head movement, extra body movement. He would have got. He would have tackled the the running back. Would have got a three or four yard gain. His speed is not the fastest. The Buckeye fans already know that. And many people that were commenting on this player saying, "Wow, hold on, this guy was a starting linebacker for Ohio State with that kind of speed. What are we doing now? It's one clip. You're in practice. Game speed versus practice speed." It's two different things for a lot of people, especially when you have not been practicing since before the National Championship game. Side note, I recently found out that the Buckeyes only had one practice, just one, in between the game against Clemson and the National Championship game. Now it makes more sense and there's more clarity as to why the Big Ten was lobbying for a pushback of the National Championship game because their own representative in the conference was not able to practice. Interesting note there. I'm not saying I would go back and change anything, but that kind of explains a lot of what we saw from the Buckeyes that night. They were not the better team. When you put things into context, it makes a lot more sense. I'm going to be following a lot of guys that are on Twitter trying to retweet um, different videos that are out there on the Twitter from senior bowl practice because I want to be able to see and share, show off and share what I see. The things that, that come across my feed of the Buckeye players are doing in the Senior Bowl. This is a big, big, big interview for all of these guys. Some will do well. Some will embarrass themselves. Some will have to rely on their pro day or other interviews after that to try to raise or raise their draft stock because ultimately you want to get drafted as high as you can. Let's step away very quickly. When we come back, we're going to share some notes from Chris Holtman's media availability. There's a good chance you're like me in this one category, not in every category of life, but in this category, you may be a person like me that has been searching and trying to find the perfect protein bar there may not be a perfect protein bar but there's a protein bar that fits you the best one that tastes good 
and the macros hit every box or check every box that you have on your list. Well, guys, I've ended my search. I have stopped. I have settled on one company. And maybe, just maybe, after giving them a try, you might stop your search as well. Built Bar is great for the person that is health conscious. It'll help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. And with the purchase at BuiltBar.com, you will get a free cooler. Maybe save it for tailgating next year. Those are only available while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, that is L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you will get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. The Penn State Nittany Lions are 5-6. and six. And when you look at their record, when you look at how the season has gone, you might say, Jay, the Buckeyes should be able to just walk right past this team. Okay, great. A 5-6 and six record, 2-5 and five in Big Ten play. Great. You can go ahead and think that, which is true. I mean, the Buckeyes are the better team. There's a reason why Ohio State is ranked and Penn State is not. Penn State has had a little different of a season, kind of a rough season this year. They had their first game of the year canceled. They had four games postponed in a row versus Wisconsin at Ohio State versus a team up north and then versus Rutgers. Four games in a row that were postponed due to COVID-19, positive, t- positive cases, and contact tracing. Before the postponement, the Nittany Lions were 3-4, and four, and prior to the games getting postponed, they had lost three straight. On the road to the team up north, at home to Illinois, and then on the road in Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Indiana. After they got their games postponed, they lost two in a row at Purdue and at Illinois. And then they're on a two-game winning streak. On the road, they won at Rutgers. Then they won their most recent game, 81-78, to versus the Wildcats of Penn State. Leading score for Penn State is Myrian Jones at 15.9 points per game. Following him is Isaiah Brockington, 14.7. Seth Lundy, 12.7. Sam Sessoms, 10.3. When you look at the team stats, and I'll get to the media availability here very, very quickly. Penn State is sixth in the Big Ten in scoring per game. They're giving up the most points per game in the Big Ten at 76.2. They, they're shooting 42.8% from the field. That's 12th in the Big Ten. They are 7th in the Big Ten in three-point field goal percentage, 36.1. 
compare that to the Buckeyes. Remember, we talk about how bad the Buckeyes' three-point shooting is at times. The Buckeyes are 11th at 34.5. And then you also have the, the Nittany Lions. They're ninth in the Big Ten and rebounding 37.1. The Buckeyes are 8th, 37.4. I bring up those stats on purpose for this reason. Chris Holtman does talk about the stats and what the, what the Penn State does very, very well. They, they lead the league in offensive rebounding and steals. Pitt State is very, very good. This is, this is coming from the mouth of Chris Holtman. They're very good, and they are disruptive defensively, and they have really good guard play. And so tonight, when I'm thinking about Ohio State playing them, who starts in the backcourt? Dwayne Washington Jr., I've called him, said it numerous times, he needs to be more consistent. And this is a game where in the backcourt, his defense will be very, very huge to this team winning the matchup. There have been times, and I've seen it, you've seen it, where Dwayne Washington Jr., he'll play the basketball, and sometimes if his offensive production is not there, it lowers his ability and his, and his consistency on the defensive end. Now, it's not a knock against him. When I play basketball, I'm the same way. I, I like playing defense. I'm, a, I'm one of those weird guys that likes playing defense. But I do catch myself at times being lackadaisical at times, Sometimes because of my offensive production at the other end of the court. You can watch your favorite basketball player. You, some of you have watched LeBron James. I'm not trying to knock LeBron James, but there and this like, oh, just I just don't like the guy. There are times when LeBron James, his production is not the best on the offensive end, and it does affect his effective effectiveness on the defensive end. I mean, it just happens. It's human nature. Nobody is perfect. Chris Holtman, one interesting thing that popped out to me is he got a question. I forget who the uh, media member was that asked this, but somebody asked about Amadi Diallo and his availability and if, he, if he'll be able to practice and potentially step on the court soon. Well, the question was about Diallo, and then, somebody, and then Chris Holtman added a little nugget about Jimmy Sotos as well. Diallo is still out he, with, a, with an MCL tear, still nursing and rehabbing that. He is still not able to practice. And with an injury like this, I am not sure if let's say he's let's say he recovers and gets healed beginning to the mid of middle of February. I don't know if you want to bring him in at the last stretch of the Big Ten season prior to the Big Ten Conference Tournament being played and the NCAA tournament. I don't know if you want to tinker or mess with your rotation at that crucial part of the season. But Chris Holtman did add about Jimmy Sotos, and I know a lot of you may be wondering about his status and if, and if he'll be able to play. Jimmy Sotos is still recovering from a, a, his shoulder injury. He's not practicing, and he is still out against Penn State. Another injury update. C.J. Walker is doing good. This is coming directly from Chris Holtman. C.J. Walker is doing good. His injury, the torn ligaments in his hand, it'll be a pain tolerance thing. How much pain can he handle? How much pain? Too much pain? No, I can't go. Not, not a lot of pain. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, no ministry restriction or things like that. Of course, that's what a competitor would want to think. The ligaments in his hand, the torn ligaments in his hand, they're not healed, which is why uh, Chris, Holtman, Chris Holtman believes they need to monitor and check out what is going on with him? Chris Holman is not going to sugar, sugarcoat it and say everybody is healthy. He's mentioned Sotos, mentioned Diallo, mentioned CJ Walker. And he also mentioned that some guys are banged up, but he won't give specifics right now. Very similar to Ryan Day, but it makes you wonder, who is it? Who is he talking about? 
I mean, the curiosity in us as sports fans and people that want to uh, know all the details about their team, people are going to wonder, what's going on? Uh, can somebody help me out? Uh, can somebody allow me to know what is going on? Because I want to be up to date with injuries and every detail about the team. He did get a question. Holtman is, did, did get a question about the raising minutes for Justin Arns and the lowering of minutes for Musa Jallo. Someone was asking, was that just a, a reaction to an injury? Or were there other details that went into these two players, uh, the minutes going up and minutes going down? Chris Holman did answer some more que another question about Arns as well. Justin Arns, he does allow them to open the floor, and his shooting ability is one that is an, a weapon, a huge weapon, when he is on the court. His defense will get challenged a little bit, because of the quality of the play of Penn State's guards. Last little note from the media availability from Chris Holtman. Seth Towns and Kyle Young can't consistently practice. This question was about Towns, not Kyle Young. Another interesting thing that I find when I listen to press conferences and media availabilities like we did on Tuesday afternoon, I love when coaches get a question about someone and then go on and add other things that were not in the question. You and I do the same thing. I'm a person that I like to help people out. And I just say that, I say that point blank. I love helping people out. And there are times people will come to me asking for help or for assistance. And I will ask a question not knowing what may happen next. Because I understand people. You say one thing to them. And a lot of times they'll give you more back than you even thought you would receive from them. Towns and Young cannot consistently practice. By the play of Kyle Young, sometimes you cannot tell. Seth Townsend kind of does understand why his minutes are the way that they are. You just wish and hope, well, I do, Towns was able to be on the court a lot more than he has been. Step away very quickly. When we come back, we're going to pay a little tribute to Kobe Bryant, the guys uh, from Rejecting the Screen. Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko did a little tribute to Kobe Bryant. We're going to air this to close out today's episode. The NFL postseason is almost over. One more game, the Super Bowl, which is a holiday, an unofficial holiday here in America. There's only one place that has you covered and only one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that is L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for your 50% welcome bonus, guys. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Betting on the Ohio State Buckeyes doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice. To make the smartest possible wagers, subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. This is Adam Stanko from the Rejecting the Screen podcast. It's unfathomable to think that a year has passed since that you'll never forget where you were moment when we all found out Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, and seven others died tragically in a helicopter crash. Everyone associated with the NBA has a Kobe story, because he meant so much to so many of us. 
Our way to honor Kobe was to compile some of our favorite stories from interviews my co-host Noah Kozlov and I conducted with teammates, opponents, coaches, and writers who had something to say about the man who famously wore number 8 and number 24. We put together all of those stories, many of which you've never heard before, on a two-part podcast on Rejecting the Screen, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're about to play an excerpt from Part 1, which drops on Tuesday, January 26th, with Part 2 coming on January 28th. Subscribe to the pod today so you can listen to both episodes as soon as they're released. We pick up the story as Kobe was ranked as the top prep player in the nation, and his status as a local legend was exploding. There were even rumors of the Lower Marion High School prodigy practicing with the Sixers and dominating the Sixers star wing Jerry Stackhouse in games of one-on-one. Rex Walters was on the Sixers in 96 and told us how he remembered it. Kobe did come to practices or he would come afterwards and come work out at St. Joe's because me not knowing who Kobe was, like you know, once again, I, I didn't follow high school basketball. I was an NBA player. I wasn't into that. I'm sitting there. I'm, 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 I'm leaving to go uh, home. I'm, I'm kind of straightening it up in the locker room and, and Kobe sure enough walks in. And I'm like just making conversation with this kid. I'm like, hey, you know, uh, what you doing here? He's like, yeah, I'm going to go work out. And I'm like, oh, you're a pretty good player? Like, this guy had to be looking at me like, what, what are you, some kind of idiot or something? Because, you know, and then I'm like, well, you know, what schools you're looking at? He's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Kansas. I'm talking to Carolina. He's like, but there's one other thing I'm thinking about. And I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, well, hey, you know, Dean Smith was a great coach for Michael Jordan. You know, you should think about Carolina. Obviously, Coach Williams is my coach, great coach. You should think about those schools trying to, trying to help out my guy. Uh, you know, next next thing you know, next preseason game, this guy's freaking like yelling over to his point guard, Nick Van X, like, hey, you know, I'm guarding. I'm like, I got a mouse over here. I got a mouse. I'm like, man, that's, that's a little disrespectful. I tried to help you, my man, and, and, and you're calling mouse in the house on me. So obviously he had to be thinking to himself, what is this guy talking about? So back to Kobe as the nation's top high school player and those rumors we are hearing of Kobe regularly beating Stackhouse one-on-one. We talked to Jeff Perlman, who wrote the incredible book, Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the crazy years of the Laker dynasty. He said that story was all fabricated. It's crap. Like, it's actually crap. It's just total BS. And um, it's funny because I basically reached out to, because you hear all these stories, right? You hear all these stories about Kobe and he's he's with the Sixers and he's lighting them up and blah, blah, blah. And he was definitely a, a great player and definitely showed his skills. And the guys were like, yeah, this guy's going to be something. But um, I reached out to Stackhouse via Twitter. I, I profiled Stackhouse for the Wall Street Journal years ago. And I just reached out to him. Hmm. I don't have a tweet in front of me, but he wrote like, <laughs> I'm sure like you, you, this is the first thing I think of when people say we're, we're so-and-so regret having spoken about Kobe. Like he basically said, I've never heard Kobe say they were true, but I've also never heard him say they were false. So ask him. Um, <laughs> and like the thing that I, I think is really cool about Kobe and the, uh, and the Sixers workouts, he did not dominate Jerry Stackhouse, pure BS, but he took it to those guys. Um, imagine being, I remember I ran college, I ran uh, cross country at university of Delaware. And I remember my first year freshman, freshman year, I went out to run with the rest of the team and they're all seniors and these guys are like all state and all county and all these great runners. And I was terrified. Like I was absolutely terrified. I just wanted to hang with them. I was terrified. I was scared. I was just praying I'd be able to do it. 
this guy's running with the Philadelphia 76ers as a high school kid and like holding his own and doing it. Like that's insane. And then the other thing when he was in high school that I really like is he would work out. I got to remember the specifics. He would, I'm going to actually reread the book before it comes out. So I, you know, um, which is sad that you have to do, but you do have to do is he, um, he would work out and he drove from one workout to another workout place in the summer and made sure the heat in his car would be at full blast as he was driving just to build up his endurance. So like, I think he worked out at a track. It was like a 90 degree day outside in Philly, very humid, hot, gets in the car, blasts the heat all the way, drives to the other workout. Like he did little things like that that were just absolutely insane all the time. It's 1996 and you're Kobe Bryant. You have an unparalleled level of self-confidence. You've proven to yourself that you can run with the Sixers. And just a year prior, you watched as another high schooler, Kevin Garnett, got selected fifth overall in the 95 draft. So what does Kobe do? He becomes the first guard ever to skip college and enter the draft. And by the way, he was just 17 at the time. 17 years old. Kobe, of course, gets selected 13th overall by the Charlotte Hornets, who immediately trade him to the Lakers for Vladi. Coming into that draft, everyone expected him to end up in L.A., and we talked to a couple of people on the pod who were with teams in that year's lottery. First up, former Vancouver Grizzlies coach and GM Stu Jackson. The Grizzlies had the number three pick and ended up taking Sharif Abdul-Rahim. But we straight up asked Stu, why didn't the Grizz take Kobe Bryant? You know, he, he was a high school player. We were a very young franchise. And, you know, uh, I, I think to draft a high school player at that point in our development as a franchise would have really uh, been going out on a limb, not having this player proven himself against, you know, a higher level of competition. Although I will tell you, you know, Kobe was extremely talented. But the other aspect of Kobe was, he was not going to any franchise other than the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, he got drafted by a different franchise, but that quickly turned around and he mm-hmm. ended up in Los Angeles. And everyone in the draft knew that at that point. So we didn't think that was an option for Kobe Bryant coming to a new country or to, to Vancouver uh, to play basketball. So he was sort of off the board. Leaving the country to play might not have been in Kobe's plans, but would he have played for the Dallas Mavericks, who had the ninth overall pick? Remember at the time, the Mavs had Jason Kidd running the point, and later in their careers, Kobe tried desperately to get the Lakers to trade for Kidd. Well, former Nets head coach Butch Beard was an assistant with the Mavericks in 96, and he told us that he thinks they had a shot at getting the high school sensation to come to Dallas. Here's the best story of all, and a true story as well. I was an assistant coach with Jim Clemens and also uh, uh, at the Dallas <laughs> Mavs. We're in the draft, and I asked, I asked the people who, you know, run the draft, I mean, all our uh, scouts, I said, who's the best guy in the draft? They said, Kobe Bryant. He's a high school kid, but he's not, you know, he's not, uh, you know, we, we, we don't know. We think he's going to be the best. And they didn't know whether at that particular time they were going to break up three J's, okay? So I made a comment to them. I said, 
why don't we bring him in and try him out? I know that the word was out there that he only wanted to go to L.A. I said, but I think he would want to play with Jason and Jimmy if you all think that he's going to be the best player in the draft. We were afraid to do that. We ended up drafting Samaki Walker. I'll never forget, I was running around all over, you know, working out Eric Dampier and some other players and, you know. But I said, man, that's what we should have done. I sat there, even those five minutes before we drafted, I said, we should draft this kid. Why were they afraid to even, not even to bring him in? Because the word had gotten out there that he wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't going to work out for other teams mm-hmm. and things like that. I said, I think he would come. I think he would come and at least give us a, you know, a look-see. I really do. You can hear the rest of our Kobe Stories special on Rejecting the Screen. Subscribe to the podcast today and hear part one on Tuesday, January 26th and part two on January 28th. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network.